You found it. No nonsense. No scripts. Real people on real issues. Hard hitting and action packed with logic, reason, and common sense. Everything you need and everything you've been looking for in a podcast. This is Dynamic Independence with Johnny Anderson, Bruce Adams, Marty Foster, and GP. Welcome to it. Happy Monday, Bruce. How are you? Healthy and alive. Um, yeah, good weekend. Had some pretty decent Mexican food. I'd imagine you had some really good Mexican food down there in the, in the southern states like that. I mean, we had some decent uh, stuff yeah. up in, uh, you know, back in the Midwest, you know, well, northern Midwest where I was from. But uh, I bet you get some really good stuff down there. Um, yeah, it, it, it's it's pretty good. I mean, the the problem is is where uh, the place we went is a is a small town, and it's uh, so it's it's average. I would say we're above average. If you were to go into a, a larger city, you would find the the better, more your gourmet, uh, if you will, Mexican food restaurants. But this one was more of your, your traditional uh, with some Tex Mex in there. Uh, thrown in. Mm-hmm. Well, you know something? One thing I've learned when it comes to Mexican food, and believe me, the Mexican food over here, it's really not that great. Do you know why the Mexican food over here is not that great? They have a shortage of Mexican nationals. Just saying. They, they have a shortage. So the, uh, the Mexican food here is really not all that great, but you cannot go wrong when it comes to a nacho supreme. You just can't go wrong with it. Mm. Yeah. Well, it uh, kind of the, the my family kind of has the the standard of when you go to a Mexican food restaurant. Um, there's a few dishes that you can order that are very basic, general dishes that um, you typically can't do wrong. And if they do it right, then it's a decent. It'll be a decent place. Tacos, um, uh, fajitas, actually. Fajitas. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah fajitas. Um, yeah, another one for tacos is a, is one, but there's so many variations. Especially if you get into the like Tex-Mex stuff, uh, it, you know, it, it can vary. It's not, they don't necessarily have traditional uh, types. But favorite of mine, which is ironic given the cut of steak it is, but uh, uh, the, the carne asada, that's usually one that I enjoy mm-hmm. personally. Mm-hmm. And if they do that well, season it right, good cut of meat, you know, that, that usually, those are basic meals that um, you, you can actually glean a lot of information about the restaurant from, ironically mm-hmm. enough. Yeah. I, I love Mexican food. It's it's just, it's so good. The other thing I like, fried ice cream. I, I always look forward to that. Did you have any fried ice cream? I did not. I typically can't do dairy, so. Well, you're fired. All right. So yeah. uh, we'll just, we'll just move on from that. So, all right. Um, I guess, uh, I, I guess let's just go, let's go right into things. You know something? I'm really not feeling it much today. So we might, we might not even do a full hour today because I'm just, I'm a little off. I, I've been dealing with some issues the last few days. Uh, yeah. And I, I won't be able to have those issues fixed until about 10 days from now. So, um, I, I've been fighting off a, uh, a migraine. <laughs> so, um, I'm trying to do the best I can with it. You put this up last week, uh, and I wanted to talk about it because it was just started and we wanted to kind of see where it was going to go. Biden unveils commission to study possible expansion of the Supreme court. We knew, yeah. we knew court packing was on the, on the agenda. Of course, you know, Chuck Schumer in New York said, you know, that's one of the things they were going to look at. So uh, President Biden created a bipartisan commission on Friday, because I'm sure that he knows exactly what he's doing, uh, to study structural changes to the Supreme Court, giving the group 180 days to produce a report on a range of thorny topics, including court expansion and term limits. Interesting. It's it's really term interesting. Limits, I'm good for it. Yeah. OK. Yeah. Term limits. All right. All right. Yeah, I, I, I understand. But if we're going to do term limits on a Supreme Court, let's do term limits on Congress and uh, and mm-hmm. high office, too. Let, let's do that. Of course, we well, have them on and bureaucrats as well. Uh, I want yeah, sure. every position of government to have term limit. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to disagree with you there. But um, I, I find it really interesting that, that Biden comes out and he picks this. Th- this is what he picks. This is something that he wants to do now. Oddly enough, uh, I found this clip back from 1983. Okay, so to give people an idea, I was I was really young back at that time. And uh, Bruce, this is before you were born, yes, uh, yes, and probably yes, before a lot years. of people were. Yeah, probably before a lot of people that, that listened to us were born. But uh, this was Senator Joe Biden back in 1983 talking about FDR 
proposing to pack the Supreme Court. Let's hear what he had to say. President Roosevelt clearly had the right to send to the United States Senate, the United States Congress, a proposal to pack the court. It was totally within his right to do that. He violated no law. He was legalistically absolutely correct, but it was a bonehead idea. Oh. It was a terrible, terrible mistake to make, and it put in question for an entire decade the independence of the most significant body, including the Congress in my view, the most significant body in this country, the Supreme Court of the United States of America. Add a little bit of cocaine to that and it would sound just like Hunter Biden. It was Parmesan cheese, Bruce. Uh, well, uh, just you can tell they're um, father and son. Uh, their <laughs> right. voice is very similar. But uh, now, uh, see, right, but it was a bonehead idea. Yeah, it was a bonehead idea. It shouldn't have. He was well within his legal right to do so, which he was. He, he didn't break any laws. So he he did submit the proposal to pack the court. OK, fine. But uh, <laughs> it was a bonehead idea. Now, he himself said that. Of course, I'm not sure if he knows that he said that at this point, but uh, that's him. Clearly, that's him. And that was a very different time, too. That was uh, when Reagan was uh, president during that time. So mm-hmm. interesting, uh, which, by the way, he um, uh, Hunter or Hunter freaking Biden, uh, Joe Biden ran for uh, president. What was it in 88? And um, he had to drop out because he um, what was it uh, he mimicked or copied uh, someone else's speech. Um, I'm forgetting what the offense's name is. Yeah. And didn't he lie about something with like his college uh, credentials or something? He has lied about his college credentials and that he's done that all the way up till now. Um, he still lies about it, saying he attended a certain college and that college, I think it's a predominantly black college, if I remember right. And I don't mm-hmm. remember which one it was specifically, but the college came out here during the campaign and said uh, he never attended here. Mm-hmm. Um, so and not not only that, but he also said that he had like what was it like a, a three point nine GPA or something, and it's like, d- dude, you- <laughs> he, he he essentially flunked out. I mean, he he barely he passed his college. Uh, he he wasn't the um, he wasn't the greatest student there, shall we say? So the commission that he's put together is composed of thirty six legal scholars former federal judges and practicing lawyers. Uh, It fulfills Biden's campaign promise to establish such a group after activists pushed him to back expanding the court following Republicans rush to confirm Justice Amy Coney Barrett shortly before last year's election. That's that's a horrible message, by the way. Um, It's telling the activists, hey, you you actually have some sway. Number one. Uh, I, I think it's a bad me- and the reason I say it's a bad message is those activists are not they're not the best they're not the greatest I'm, I'm not a huge fan of BLM or Antifa I'm not either you know I was in the gym today Bruce and uh, I'm sitting there and I'm I'm just stretching out right when I get there I'm just stretching out and I see this this guy who's just often kind of like my peripheral you know just off to the side mm-hmm. there someone mm-hmm. I'd never seen there before and you know usually you go to the gym and you see like the usuals you know, the, sure. the same people. Well, this guy I'd never seen there before. And this guy's working out, like doing the sit-ups and, and the push-ups and everything with a mask on. He will not take it off. And everybody else has, has got, you know, everyone else doesn't have a mask on. This guy doesn't take it off at all. So he's doing his push-ups and whatever. And I'm just, you know, listening to my music and doing my stretches and everything. And, and I really didn't pay any attention to him until the guy gets up and he goes over to get uh, a cleaning paper towel, you know, with cleaner on it to, you know, wipe down everything he was using. And as he's walking back over... Guess what shirt he was wearing? Uh, BLM or Antifa shirt. Or... Antifa Nation. Hmm. But but Antifa, they're just an idea. They they're, mm, they they yeah. don't actually exist. Just an idea. But that explains why he didn't take the mask off the entire time. So uh, anyway. Yeah, they're uh, they're they're just about everywhere. Anyway, all right. So moving on, the executive order establishing the commission mandates that the group holding public meetings and take input from a range of are you ready for it stakeholders with the report expected in October. Uh huh. So, um, who are these stakeholders? Because well, under this new say. stakeholder capitalism, uh, we're supposed to be the stakeholders under the new capitalist. Uh, their their new well, version of capitalism. Yet yes and no. See a stakeholder is see that's different from a shareholder. You see, mm-hmm. you see a stakeholder is simply this: if you're in good with that corporation or that group, then you're okay. You, you'll be protected. That's a stakeholder. So if you're if you're a good old boy, yeah. If you're if you're a person that's belonging to that club 
in those good days than your stakeholder. A lot different from a shareholder. Well, what they say a stakeholder is, is what I was saying is that it's supposed to be all the people that that company affects. But you're then to have a representative represent you in this uh, situation. So essentially staying with the representative governments. Yeah, we, we see how that goes, right? In our current representative governments around the world. Uh-huh. So to your point, I agree. In the end, what they say it is and what it actually is, it's uh, basically an oligarchy. Oh, um, also, uh, to you, you know how GP was saying uh, he thinks we're in a, a fascist government? At this point, because of the, you know, yeah, uh, there's uh, some some talking heads from the uh, mainstream on the right that are starting to uh, say the same thing. Now, we, we have some bigger names that have uh, uh, radio shows in the U.S. Uh, that are saying, um, yeah, we're, we're America has been fascist for a while now. Yeah. Well, if you go by the definition of the rise of state and corporate powers, well, we're kind of there, aren't we? Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of that way. So, OK, what is this commission going to do? Well, yes, on the surface, they say they're going to explore the expansion of the court. But under what guidelines? Under what guidelines is that going to be? Well, according to uh, this report that they're going to put together, this is going to be what the group is going to be responsible for. This this is actually put out by the White House uh, statement that they released on Friday. The topics it will examine include the genesis of the reform debate, the court's role in the constitutional system, the length of service and turnover of justices in the court. OK, so that's term limits, the membership and size of the court, how many justices they're going to put on there. Oh, I don't know. Let's just put 500 of them on there. Why not? Uh, real quick, um, I agree with term limits. However, I don't agree with ins- instituting term limits now. Right. Uh, because if you do that, you're going to lose um, some really good appointees mm-hmm. right now, and you're going to mm-hmm. have some really bad ones put in place. Mm-hmm. Uh, the court's case selection, rules, and practice will also be evaluated and put in the report. The announcement comes on the heels of Justice Stephen G. Breyer's uh, Breyer's remarks against the court expansion this week, warning that it could make the court more political and undermine the trust in the institution. That's the idea. That's what it's meant to do. He said in a speech at Harvard Law School on Tuesday, structural alteration motivated by the perception of political influence can only feed that latter perception, further eroding that trust. He's absolutely right. He's absolutely right. Further eroding the trust. Uh, 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 I'm sorry. It, is there someone that trusts them at this point? Well, maybe some. You asked who's on this commission. Well, I just happen to have a list. Most of the commission's members are academics. What, uh, of course, there can't be any problem there, right? There's not going to be any bias there. And they come from a range of political backgrounds and philosophies. Oh, I'm sure that they do. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that they mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. Bob Bauer, who is a top lawyer on Biden's campaign... And Christina Rodriguez, a professor at Yale Law School, will chair the commission, which that's the no. uh, Yeah, no no bias there. That's the thanks for helping me out during the campaign. Here's your cushy job. So this will be also run out of the White House's White House Counsel's office. So, yeah, they're going to work it right through the White House. Again, not biased, not biased at all. The panel includes prominent liberals such as Caroline Fredrickson, former president of the American Constitution Society. Lawrence Tribe, a professor emeritus at Harvard Law School, and Sherry Ifill, president of the NAACP Legal Defense Fund. The group's conservative members include Jack Goldsmith, a Harvard Law School professor and former top official in the George W. Bush's Justice Department, Keith Whittington, a professor at Princeton University, and Adam White, a resident scholar at the American Enterprise Institute. And of course, not to be outdone, but uh, Representative Mondaire Jones, a Democrat from New York, a vocal advocate for court expansion, said in a statement, my colleagues and I need not wait for the findings of the commission. We already know the obvious. We must expand the Supreme Court before it's too late. Uh, I just went in and real quick, the American uh, Constitution Society, yeah, on its surface sounds, uh, you know, sounds pretty good, right? You know, uh, standing for the Constitution, you know, their stated goal is um, promote the vitality of the U.S. Constitution and the fundamental values. It expresses individual rights and liberties, genuine equality, uh, access to justice, democracy and the rule of law. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Uh, Yeah, sure. The current president, Russ Feingold, Mm. Democrat. Mm. Now, 
uh, generally, if this were 20 years ago, I would be, all right, I would be a little more skeptical of this being a problematic organization. Um, but having a Democrat as your head in this day and age, um, I they're, don't believe they're radicals now. Yeah, they're, I, I believe they're, it's they're a radicals. progressive organization, quote yeah. unquote progressive, uh-huh. which if you've been listening for a while or have been listening to any conservative media, progressive means communist, really just a slow communist. It's a slow burn towards it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Enough of that. You got anything else on court packing? It is a very dangerous, dangerous precedent. And it is. I, seriously. If they go in and let's say they pack the courts and let's say Biden says, we're going to do an executive order to ban assault weapons and assault weapons are any weapon with more than 10 rounds in the mag, you know, in a, in a, in a magazine, which is essentially every single firearm except for, you know, like a 1911 or revolvers. That's pretty much everything from there. Well, I guess you have double barrel shotguns as well. Break action weapons. Do you think Americans are going to be like, yeah, sure, here you go. Here's our guns when there's close to like 500 million now? Uh, no, no, it's going to be a boating accident that bad. you were in a while back. You know, it's it's a um, it's a real tragedy what happened that day. You know, you know, I, I get the joke. And, and at this point now I have guns. Mm-hmm. I do. I have many guns. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're an American. What do you want me to say? Yeah, that's 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 just the way it is. Ben Sass, Republican from Nebraska. He's also been uh, pretty outspoken. He's a member of the Senate Judiciary Committee, called the commission and the liberal push to expand the court. Waste of time. You know something, Senator? The president himself couldn't agree with you more. He said it himself. We played it. It's a bonehead idea. It's a complete bonehead idea. Uh, I agree with Ben Sass at the same time. My dude, I really don't care what you think anymore. <laughs> yeah, he did sell out, didn't he? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Off of that, over to the sainted Dr. Anthony oh, Fauci. Yeah. The mm-hmm. sainted. The Dr. hero Anthony of the nation, Fauci. right? Yes, he is the hero. He is a hero. But you know something? So am I. Of course, it says yeah. right there. Yeah, yeah, I got, true. got my name on the card right there, and it says hero right there. Yeah, so, okay. Anyway, uh, Dr. Fauci, now he has released details of what you shouldn't do, even if you're fully vaccinated. So, Bruce, are you are you fully vaccinated? Because these are things that you shouldn't do if you've been fully vaccinated. Well, what my definition of fully vaccinated and his definition of fully vaccinated are are different. Mm -hmm. My definition of fully vaccinated is getting all the vaccines that you needed as a kid, you know. Um, Yeah. Which we had those. Yeah. So, yes, I am fully vaccinated, but referencing the flu vaccine, no. Well, your state is uh, is open. So uh, and you and apparently you've been seeing the case numbers trend down uh, in your state. And of course, the same thing in uh, in Texas. And uh, what, what did Fauci say? There's a lag in there. So, you know, you've been fooled before. So you don't want to get caught up in, in making a mistake. You notice they're just ignoring what's going yeah. on in Texas now. And they're ignoring yeah. the states that have opened. We, so. we, we have a um, we have like a six month lag here on data. Uh huh. Um, so well, you're sparsely yeah. populated, you know, so. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're something like, what was it, like 50 per 100 square miles or something like that. I don't remember. Yeah. Something like that. You know, it, something, a, there's, a, yeah. there's a town. We actually covered it. There's a town in Oklahoma somewhere. We covered it like a year ago that has, well, I, I want to say it was like, uh, th- oh, no, I, I want to say it was less than a thousand people and life for them never changed. No one even knew that yeah. the town was there. I mean, it was just out in the middle of nowhere. I think it was like 30 miles from anywhere. Those kind of towns, we we we, uh, we like to uh, reference them as blink and you'll miss them towns. Yeah, but I mean, it was so far out. It was yeah. so far out that no one even knew it was there. I mean, you wouldn't even like, why would you go 30 miles out of your way when there's nothing there kind of thing? Right, right. It's off of any, you know, landmark roads like, uh, you know, Route 66 or any major interstates or highways. And yeah. Little slice of heaven, man. That'd be me. Yeah, I'd be out there. I, I seriously, I mean, I'd, I'd go. I'm 30 minutes from a town that more or less didn't didn't change its life as normal for them, mm-hmm. more or less. I mean, you'd still see people wearing masks and whatnot, but more or less, they didn't have any shutdowns or any of those kind of things. So. Mm-hmm. The number of folks vaccinated is now over 114 million with at least one dose of the... Uh, uh, whatever it is, uh, the 68 million being vaccinated in the U.S. No, those that's according to the CDC. Take those numbers for what you will. Uh, hang on, hang on. I, 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 there's something that's kind of I, I can't get past this. We were talking about a town being like 30 minutes away from any other town, mm-hmm. basically. That's a lot. Most most of the small towns here in Oklahoma are like 30 minutes away from any other town. So mm-hmm. or, or so. I mean, to be fair, 
that could be any town here in in Oklahoma, technically. Yeah. So just just thought I would point that out because it's you know a lot of corn kind of fields a, a down trend here. here. Yeah, corn ranching, you know, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, potatoes. Yeah, you guys do potato soybeans. I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, I honestly I've been out of the farming game for so long. I'm I'm the only thing that I, I really knew in our era we did more ranching and dairy. Uh, mm-hmm. the farms around me. So. Yeah, that's what it is in Ohio, man. Back where I come from, it's dairy farms and uh, uh, corn, soybeans. But, you know, that's really about it. Uh, Business Insider ran a piece on what would Fauci do? Not so fast. Not so fast, says Dr. Anthony Fauci. Not so fast, right? As he described his behavior prior to getting vaccinated and then after he was fully vaccinated. So let's take a look. What would Fauci do? <laughs> what would Fauci do? I keep thinking of those bracelets that they had back in the WWJD. You know, what would Jesus do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what would yeah. Fauci do? Yeah. Well, and my the first sainted. thought is... Um, the sainted. Yeah, sainted. My first thought is um, one of our uh, friends that we we game with um, and how to use different hand, you know, the... Uh-huh. What would Dr. Fauci do? What the director of the National Institute of Allergies and Infectious Diseases will and won't do now that he's vaccinated. Well, let's take a look. Fauci said prior to getting vaccinated, he got together with his neighbors right next door. Well, weren't we told that if we got together with our neighbors right next door, we'd kill each other? Isn't that what we were told? Yeah, uh, I, maybe maybe he's assuming, uh, is he referencing before the pandemic in general? Uh, well, or, he says or, prior to getting vaccinated. However, however, he says that they stayed socially distanced and outdoors, even if it was freezing. OK, I mean, I, I don't know if you've talked to your neighbors or, or uh, delivery people or, or any of those on a regular basis, but you typically stay socially distanced anyway. Usually, yeah, you're talking over a fence or, you know, something like that. You know, the, the most, yeah, like the most you would do if you're, let's say you're talking to your neighbor out back. I mean, people do it and you've got a chain link fence between your properties. Well, yeah. okay. You're usually both have one hand or one arm up on the fence and you're standing back anyway. So there you go. So now how has he changed that behavior? How's he done that? Now that he's vaccinated, how's he changed it? He said, now he says, since getting vaccinated, they gather indoors without masks and have had physical contact. But he says he's still a little leery about other activities. So you don't want to overdo it, right? You, you don't want to no overdo it. Other activities, huh? Uh, yeah, yeah. But he doesn't see being vaccinated as a green light to resume the myriad of activities he and the rest of us have been deprived of. Oh, so, so um, like going to sports games, like a baseball game without a mask, not socially distanced between, like that's something that he can enjoy. But we, we, we're not allowed yeah, he, to enjoy he, yeah, he can throw out the first pitch important. down to first base. I mean, excuse, excuse me, to, to home plate. And that's fine. You know, he can he can do that. You, of course, you were he right said the he first was, time. Yeah, he said he was eating in the stands, but of course he wasn't. And yeah, and, and then Texas, of course, the Texas Rangers game was just 100%. And I didn't hear any talk about a super spreader event or I don't see the hospitals getting overrun. I'm just, you know, just an observation. Do you know what the COVID hospitalization rate has been through the peak of the pandemic? Actually, since, you know, all this started. Uh, it was less than regular hospitalization. Uh, well, uh, no, specifically for COVID, right? So oh. all hospitalizations specifically that were COVID related, 3.8% never went higher than 3.8%. Huh. Considering the US the hospital system runs at 95% capacity at all the time anyway. So, you know, movie theaters where viewers remove their masks and snack on popcorn. Is this okay, according to Dr. Anthony Fauci? He said no. He says that would still be of concern to me. So that's that's still a no no. You can't you can't go to movie theaters and, and eat popcorn. Concern to him. See, here's the thing. I call that a big steaming heap of bovine excrement on this. He is not afraid to go into those theaters and do this. He is not afraid of any of this. He knows exactly what it is. This is this is nothing but a um, stronger cold or a flu. That's what this is. If the dude was so scared of it, he wouldn't be out in public at any time of the year for for fear he would get a cold. That, that that's basically 82. what his argument is. He is eighty two. He's really up there in that age range. So even if even if this was something, he wouldn't be out there. He, he wouldn't be out there in any of this. Uh, uh, my my grandparents are uh, a similar age. And they were going out when the pandemic was supposed to be raging. Yeah, but you guys down there, I mean, if, if there's something that's out there that's trying to kill you, you guys just shoot it. True, true. We, we, we either shoot it or just watch. <laughs> 
Yeah. Bars and restaurants where maskless people are eating and drinking inside. What does the saint to Dr. Anthony Fauci have to say about that? He said those are still off the table, too. Well, I mean, if you're, um, what was it, uh, Turkmenistan, you're, you're recommended to take um, a, a, a strong shot of uh, some your, your favorite liquor. In this case, I think it was vodka he was recommending, vodka, yeah. I think. Yeah. And of course, uh, they outlawed the word COVID-19. So, yeah. I mean, no you know, in hindsight, caught it. maybe maybe he was onto something in hindsight. I think he was. I think he was. Uh, I just saw today the uh, the English are going to reopen their bars. The Brits are going to reopen their bars. Although... Only one in four who were polled said they were going to actually go to them because now all of a sudden there's never been an outdoor mask mandate in the UK, but now all of a sudden they need one. So they say if you go to a pub and you order a drink, you have to take your mask down, take your drink and then put your mask back up. You know, uh, there there had been talks of um, within my circles of, of eventually visiting like the UK or Ireland or, you know, visiting up that direction. Oh, I again. will go over there. Oh, I, I will take no. all my equipment and Marty and I will podcast when we get rid of this trash. OK, when we take out this garbage, then I will be happy to go over there and spend some time with it. Once all this is done and they're not doing the mask yeah. mandates, yep. and the two yep. week, you know, yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. Passports sure, and all that crap. Yeah, you're. Yeah. That, then. Yeah. What about travel? Since you bring that up, what about travel? What did the saint to Dr. Anthony Fauci have to say about travel? Even though the CDC said that vaccinated Americans can travel domestically, Fauci said that he won't be planning any trips. He says, I don't see that in my life. When this is all over, then I'll worry about it. When's it over? Hmm. When is it all over? Because every time someone's asked him about when it's over, oh, we're we're almost there. Yeah, we can do it. Yeah, we're, we're about out of it. If we just do this and we get to this point, it's fine. But it's always another year and another year and another year. And an, yeah, it's always the next. <laughs> yeah, we were almost we were almost out of it a year ago. Yeah. And now they're saying that, uh, well, if if you don't if you don't mass vaccinate now and you reopen everything, well, in the fall, you'll have to start all over again because, uh, yeah, because you, you're just you're, you're not doing what you're supposed to do now. So in the fall, you're going to have to start all over again. Fauci said it is important for all Americans, both vaccinated and unvaccinated, to continue avoiding crowds and socially distancing until we know for sure that vaccinated people don't spread the virus. Even the World Health Organization says it doesn't stop you catching or giving it to somebody. Uh, yeah, uh, like I said, uh, bovine excrement. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, he, he also made this statement as well. He said, patience, Bruce, patience. Patience will keep a lid on the cases. You're telling Americans who you're, you're stealing their freedoms, their liberties from, to just be patient. Yeah, be patient. That's all he's saying. Just, just be patient. Uh, but for now, he says that he's maintaining most of his pre-vaccine behavior. Uh, his caution stems from the crossroads at which the U.S. sits, apparently. Despite record vaccinations, the number of new infections is still rising in 18 states. Are those red states or blue states? I'm just curious. <laughs> uh, yeah, if it follows the trends that we've seen over the last year, every state that issued a lockdown and mask mandate skyrocketed versus states that stayed open. Okay, so I saw you put something up. Uh, Governor Whitmer's aide decided that she was going to travel. Top aide for Governor Gretchen Whitmer in the state of Michigan travels to Florida despite the Michigan governor issuing a spring break travel warning. I thought they were all concerned. They have the state closed. You know, you got to worry about the, you know, spread and all that stuff. And of course, you're going to go to a hot spot like spring break down in Florida. Oh, goodness. A top aide for Governor Gretchen Whitmer took a spring break trip to Florida with her entire family. Oh, goodness. Only days earlier, the Democratic governor of Michigan warned her constituents about travel because of concerns of spreading COVID-19. You see, okay, Bruce, uh, she's traveling. She's traveling. She's not listening to Dr. Fauci. Yeah. So um, do you see how stupid and arrogant these people are? I know technically this is an intern, so, you know, take it for what you will. Uh, right. But why, why would you go on vacation and post your timeline pictures uh, about your vacation on social on media, Twitter. first of all? <laughs> on Twitter. Yeah. yeah not, I'm not on Twitter. She's on the beach with her friend. I'm looking at it. Mm -hmm. So I'm not, I'm not knocking the fact that they went during the pandemic. I'm, I'm just saying in general, why are you posting that when you're on vacation anyway, first of all? Second of all, um, you're an aide to one of the worst governors in the U.S. Uh, when it comes to COVID and the lockdowns and uh, the closure of businesses and the authoritarian uh, measures they've taken. Um, and people aren't allowed to travel. Wouldn't you kind of sweep it under the rug a bit? Um, not not traveling and doing all that stuff or... Uh, huh. 
Seems seems a bit ironic there. Or maybe you were, uh, you know, if you were a proponent against all of this from the from the beginning and were being vocal about it, and and then were saying you you were going on vacation and making an example, showing that hey, look, it's fine, it's safe, you know, go out and, and enjoy yourselves. Um, that would be one thing, but uh, that's not what this person's doing here, is it? Because they immediately deleted those posts. Yeah, they were on Facebook and they were on Twitter. Uh, actually, I'm sorry, these are screenshots. This is what Breitbart put out. Uh, they were screenshots of her Facebook page. Uh, and of course, they were later deleted. Okay, so it says here that Whitmer's press secretary, Bobby Letty, said that the pictures were from the intern who was Trish Foster, uh, Trisha Foster, her Facebook page, but called the Breitbart news article that published them a partisan attack from a garbage white nationalist website. <laughs> ah, yeah. yeah. Interesting. They're calling out the hypocrisy, right? Breitbart is not uh, some right-wing extremist na white nationalist website. It's, that's, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. All they're doing is they're taking the screenshots saying, uh, okay, here's one of the governor's top aides. She's going on vacation while she's got you shut down in the state. What do you think about this? All right, so the photos no longer appeared on, face or on Foster's timeline Friday afternoon, but the free press spoke to a Facebook friend of Foster's who saw the beach photos before they were taken down. That was according to the Detroit Free Press. However, Whitmer issued a warning, a travel warning to Michigan residents on April 2nd, especially traveling to Florida. Governor Whitmer said she is concerned about spring break and people traveling. With so many going between Michigan and Florida, if people do travel, she said they should work from home and have school from home for at least a week when they return and assess whether they need a COVID-19 test and get vaccinated. Students and families traveling across Michigan to other states or out of the country risk being exposed to and carrying COVID-19 with them. This, in turn, could fuel outbreaks within their households and the communities where they live or visit. Well, I guess you're going to have to go door to door then, aren't you, Governor? I guess that's what you're going to have to do. Trish Foster is fully recovered from COVID and fully vaccinated, the press secretary said from the uh, governor's mansion. So, see, she took all the necessary precautions as long. Yeah. Hypocrisy continues. Yeah. And my question is, is when are the people going to be tired of it? Well, in L.A., they're kind of tired of it already. Uh, what is it? Uh, the uh, the governor out there or the governor, the uh, the mayor out there, Garcetti, he went to a, uh, a Dodgers game and he was introduced to raise the the flag or the, the banner or whatever it was. And, uh, you know, something the crowd, they, they really didn't like the fact that he was there. They were open out there for limited capacity or whatever. I'm doing the air quotes here. Uh, they were open for limited capacity. They only had 14,000 in Dodger Stadium at, because they had social distancing guidelines that they had to adhere to. But you know something? 14,000 people with Mayor Eric Garcetti in attendance, and he was announced on the loudspeaker there. And uh, let's just hear what the crowd had to say about uh, Mayor Eric Garcetti of Los Angeles. Please join me in welcoming Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti, L.A. City Council Member Gil Sedil, Hall of Fame broadcaster Jaime Harin, Dodger owner Billie Jean King, and Dodger owner Irvin Magic Johnson. All right, so uh, they're, they're clapping there. Uh, of course, Garcetti and uh, the rest of them are clapping there. See, they were clapping for Magic Johnson there at the end, but uh, yeah. they weren't clapping for that, Garcetti. Yeah. Uh, the, just, just so we're clear, let's hear that again. So Garcetti being introduced at the beginning. Raise the championship banner. Please join me in welcoming Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti, L.A. City Council Member Gil Sedil, Hall of Fame broadcaster Jaime Harin, Dodger owner Billie Jean King and Dodger owner Irvin Magic Johnson. Yeah, they don't like him too well. Good. Um, you know, like I've been saying, civil disobedience, you know, open your stores, open your businesses and the places that are still locked down. Stop wearing the mask. Quit doing all the nonsense. And you can do it civilly. And honestly, the, the thing, like we said, businesses technically can tell you to wear a mask technically and if you refuse they can technically have the police throw you out for trespassing technically technically so however in my you, humble opinion the business and the business owners should know better just saying they, they, they should because uh, it's going to get out and people are uh, it's going to it's going to hurt business uh, yeah. but honestly it, you if you're so concerned about angering someone or something but you still want to civilly disobey just take your mask with you put it in your pocket and don't wear it and then if you're asked to wear it, 
you know, all right, apologies, you know, whatever, and then put it on. It, it just make them ask you that 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 at least is a you know uh it takes you're at least doing something uh passive aggressively if you will one of the comments here on the uh the twitter feed of uh of that tweet or the uh you know the the video of them booing him it says if you listen closely you can hear eric garcetti saying get their names tonight we'll shut off their water and electricity (laughs) that's what he did that's what he did it would be uh it'd be ironic if uh a bunch of like union workers or something got together and just shut his water off and electricity all right now when you have people like that, like Governor Gretchen Whitmer and uh, b- people like Fauci and you have uh, people like Mayor Garcetti of Los Angeles, what does that do? When you have them with their their policies acting like uh, tin pot despots, right, which is what I called them, what was it, 18 months ago? When you have people that have these policies of lockdowns, just like a lot of these European nations, when you have people that have these policies, what does that do? That angers a lot of people. You heard the booze when people were paying attention to the name that was being announced of Mayor Garcetti. Well, politicians are not exactly the most revered people right now. And, you know, about, uh, I want to say about uh, this time last year, actually before that, I think. Not, no, it was right around this time. Uh, whenever they decided, well, no, wait a minute. They started the uh, the lockdowns late spring, or well, it, roughly there. No, 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 I'm sorry. It's March. Um, okay, yeah, so they had, the, yeah, they had the initial lockdown in the beginning. And what did I say at that time? I said, you stupid, incompetent politicians, stop what you're doing. Stop these lockdowns immediately, because if you don't, it's going to do what? It's going to cause a rise in extremism, and you're going to start a movement of epic proportion that's going to sweep you away in the process. That's what I said. What they don't get is that these movements are now coming to fruition. The backlash is now happening in the political arena because these politicians are so thick-headed, bought off, and corrupt that they don't care. And it's we, the people, that are going to have to pay the price for their incompetence. And quite frankly, it's our incompetence that allows them to stay in there to begin with. So who's really to blame here? I want to play a clip of what I said a year ago, over a year ago, actually, of what's going on with these politicians. And it goes to a larger point. So let's take a listen to what I said over a year ago about these lockdowns and what it was going to cause if they didn't stop them. When you have something like this and the governments are continuing to press down, they refuse to admit that they're wrong. They won't admit they're wrong. They'll double down. As I've been saying all along, governments will not admit fault. They will double down. They're doubling down now and they will double down again before they come out and say, look, we made a mistake and we're not going to continue this anymore. That would be the easiest thing for them to do. Just stop doing what you're doing. Stop. That's all you have to do. Same thing with these governors and these mayors in the United States. Stop doing this. Stop doing what you're doing or you're going to create a backlash the likes of which you've never seen. And it's going to be something that is not going to just get you caught up in it. It's going to get everybody else in the the average public caught up in it as well. And so we don't need to go there. We don't need to give these extreme groups an opportunity like this laid at their feet. These people don't know what to do. They won't come out and admit they're wrong. They do not admit when they're wrong. Governments don't admit fault. They double down. Okay. There is a very concerning danger here in the midst of this. By these governments continuing these lockdowns, you're going to cause the rise in extremist parties. This is going to happen. The smartest thing that these governments can do right now is stop what you're doing. Because if you don't, then you're going to cause the rise in the extremist parties and people will get on board with them. The extremist parties will jump in bed with the protests because it suits their agenda. It will gain them popularity. Do you people not understand this? You're going to cause a backlash of epic proportion and it's going to be your downfall. So if you want to keep democracy, these extremists, they don't care. They don't care. You get extremists involved in this and the ball goes either way. That's not the way to go. We don't need to go down that road. We need solid, stable foundations of democratic rule. We don't need extremism. And by you continuing to do what you're doing, you're fueling these extremists. You're playing right into their hand and you're going to put them in positions of power. What do you think is going to happen? What do you think is going to happen if these things continue? As you said, Bruce, it's going to be a rebound. It's going to be that rebound effect. You're, you're talking now that it's going to be like an, a, a complete red tidal wave, in, in a sense, in the United States, which means it'll be a sweeping victory for Republicans across the board. So 
This is what's going to happen. This is what you're going to cause. If you don't stop this, then you're going to cause these people to come to power, which is going to be the antithesis of what you represent. Over a year ago, I said that. And I bring it up today because now we're seeing this tree that they have planted bear fruit. The AFD in Germany, which you could argue that, um, I mean, if you look at their party platform, they are pretty extreme in the realm of socialism. They are the third largest party in Germany when it comes to independence, national sovereignty and immigration. You can kind of see it. Yeah, you, you can kind of see where they're coming from. But as far as everything else goes, they're pretty far up on the socialist chain. Now, why do I bring this up? You saw a rise in this type of a party back in the 1930s, back in 1932, in the same place. And in order for that to happen, there had to have been a certain set of events set into motion. And this is why I said exactly what I said that I just played a clip of, because I understand history. Apparently, these jokers that are in public office don't know a damn thing about it because they're recreating the same events that we've been down before. The AFD calls for Germany to leave the European Union. They had their party conference just the other day, and they've decided to reevaluate their party's manifesto and their platform. They're calling for an immediate departure from the European Union, and they're calling for an immediate end to the lockdowns and a full reopening of all your businesses. Now, for a populace that's been closed for an entire year almost, that seems pretty um, tempting, doesn't it? You're also seeing headlines over here about the European Union has failed and Brussels is nowhere to be found. And uh, where, where's the European Union for all of us? They've been burning EU flags in all these nations. And now this happens. You have recreated the exact same set of scenarios that you created 100 years ago, you damn idiots, because none of you understand history. You don't understand common sense. You don't understand logic. You've sold out for your own interests, you fools. At its federal party conference in Dresden on Saturday, the AFD, the alternative for Deutschland, which is the alternative for Germany, I guess, it's a third party option here. They're not very popular. They only have about 11 to 12 percent of the vote. That's all they got. But a couple of years prior to that, they only had around three or four percent. So needless to say, they've gained in popularity without lockdowns and without a pandemic. I've been telling people here, you continue to stay on board with this agenda that the current government is doing. And I, I mean, we're just using Germany as an example here because this is an example of what you don't need to do again. But now they've put people in a catch-22. You're damned if you do and damned if you, if you don't. Are you going to vote for the people that are going to offer you to get out of this monstrosity that has robbed you blind? and continuing to keep you locked down and forcing you to take some uh, experimental where, whatever in the hell this thing is in order to get back to what they consider to be some sense of normalcy? If you're a population and you're starving, you will listen to the only voice that's offering to feed you. And that's what these people are doing. This is their play. From a political standpoint, this is a smart play for that party. Am I endorsing that? No. But politically, they're playing it just right because they see an opportunity. Yeah, Who's been the party? An observation. And yeah, that's it. This party has had their representatives in the victim status through the pandemic. They've been ostracized in the parliament. The main party here has been putting, uh, they tried to put them under investigation until their constitutional court came out and said, wait a minute, you can't do that. You can't investigate another political party. This isn't the, the, the days of the Stasi. You can't do that. Of course, you wouldn't know that. So that got squashed. But what else? A lot of their party members have been doing what? Attending the protests, gaining popularity. What did I say would happen? Now, I'm not bragging. I'm just pointing out the obvious, making an observation, as Bruce said, because I understand how these things work. So at their conference on Saturday in Dresden, the Alternative for Germany party spoke out in favor of Germany leaving the European Union. Long overdue. Should have done that 10, 15 years ago. A clear majority of the delegates accepted a motion that pro that provides for a corresponding change in the election platform from the national elections coming up this fall. The amendment that was adopted reads the following. We consider Germany's exit from the European Union and the establishment of a new European economic and interest group to be necessary. Run by who? In the key proposal for the election program, leaving the European Union was listed as an option. The program should therefore say that Germany is striving to withdraw from its current structure of the association of the European member states if the concept cannot be implemented in its core components for the European Union. So if they can't, basically what they're saying is, is that the, if this party gains a majority, which you only need 51% because that's a democracy, actually you don't even need that. 
Because if you can form a coalition with another party that says, oh, well, yeah, well, uh, yeah, we weren't on board with those lockdowns. Yeah, we're going to jump on board with you. You have a majority, then you have a coalition, you can form a government. That's how democracies work. That's why democracies, direct democracies are so dangerous. Because now you have, <laughs> I, I don't want to call them a modern Nazi party, but um, well, what else can you say? I mean, you've, here in the U.S., put, we, we kind of we we kind of have our own modern Nazi party as well. So yeah, well, we, we yeah we we actually do, and you know something, we were going to do a thing on that. We we were actually going to do a thing on that, and we still need to. Uh, but COVID happened, and you know everything. We were actually planning a, a two-hour special on that, but we just didn't get to it because yeah, COVID just went crazy. But the thing that, that con- that's concerning about this is they're not giving people a real choice here. Do you stay with the current system that is killing you anyway? literally and economically, do you stay with that? Or do you accept another party, a third option, which is what this would be? Do you accept this saying, hey, look, we're going to do everything we can do to get you out of the European Union because it's it's done nothing but destroy us. We're going to stop these lockdowns immediately. We're going to lift everything. You're going to get back to business and we're going to make all this go away. We're going to be a government that fights for you. But you got the other things that go along with it too. Heavy, heavy, heavy socialist programs, heavy socialist programs. So what do you do? What do you do if you're a German? I know we have German listeners. So what do you do? The fact is, is that this shouldn't be allowed in the first place. You shouldn't be put in a jackpot like this. And this is precisely what those of us that understand it were sitting up here over a year ago screaming about to have this situation avoided because we've come full circle. We're right back to where we were. So what do you do? What would you do, bros? If we were facing this situation, I mean, we kind of are in the US, aren't we? We're facing the similar situation because they're controlling the agenda at both ends. You've got extremists that are on one hand and you've got an extreme situation you're in already. So what do you do? What do you do? They're putting us in in another jackpot politically. They're saying, wait a minute, we don't like what you have, the elite. They're saying, we don't like what you have to say at the ballot box. So we're going to take that opportunity away from you. Oh, you're going to go back to the ballot box again? Okay. Well, here's this extremist party over here. Here's this uh, here's this other party over here that's, yeah, they're offering you that, but um, you're going to have heavy, heavy consequences for taking that party. So what do you do? I mean, the U.S., I, I'm not I'm not entirely certain that a third party would be an option here, but I know that some people are considering it because what, what do you do with the, the current two? Same thing here in Germany. You've got three big parties. This would be the third one. Here, at least they have an establishment of a third party that could be uh, a possible uh I don't want to say a, a a white horse here, but I mean, that's what it would be in this case, because, you know, you got the, the white horse just comes out of nowhere. So you have something here that could be a potential player. But in the U.S., we don't have a third party. Well, I mean, we do. We have like the Green Party, the Libertarian Party, but those don't count. I mean, we're talking they poll in the single digits. So yeah. those don't count. But I know people such as ourselves, we reject both of the parties because they don't represent any of our interests anymore. So do we follow along the same lines? Because this is the way that it goes every time. You're starving. You're in a situation. You're, you're economically starving. You're, you're in a situation here. And raising taxes, that's not going to help. Biden's talking about raising taxes now. My God, are you kidding me? You, you're going to raise taxes. We've been shut for a year. You're going to raise taxes now, you idiots. They're going to cause the same situation to develop there. The same one. As far as what you do, well, as, as we've been saying, you run for political office yourself. Start at the local level. Work your way up. It's not a good plan short term. That's it's a long goal. You're, you're going to have to suffer through what we're going to what what's coming uh, as we uh, as we take back what's lost, if you will. Yeah, but we don't have the luxury of time here. Is my point? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, th- there's no other option, unfortunately. I mean, w- w- what else are we going to do? There's not really any other solution. Anyway, yeah, like I said, we've uh, we've come full circle, and and you cannot say. After what I just played from what we talked about a year ago, the, the warnings that we were giving over a year ago, you cannot deny that we are right where we said we would be if they didn't stop. And they're continuing. They're continuing. And they've put us on this path. And now, quite frankly, there is there is no choice, in my opinion. This is a time when there truly is no choice. There truly is no choice. I don't know. Everybody's looking for an answer. You know, everybody's looking for answers. Everybody's looking for a simple way to do things. And I really don't have it. People always ask that, you know, whenever I, we talk about these things, they're like, well, what's the answer? What's the answer? What, what is there to do? I mean, everyone's looking for someone to just say, OK, do this. Yeah, do, do this. I, I don't have an answer for you. I, I don't have an answer for you. I do know. I do know, however, case in point by what we're sitting here talking about. I do know what the answer isn't that I do know. And the answer is not 
what we've been doing for the last 12 months that have led us to this point because we said we'd be right here if we did those things. So that was not the answer. So what is the answer now that we are at this point? You. That, that, that's the answer. Each of us individually. I mean, we're in this position because of us to begin with, every person individually. So we're the ones to get us out of this position. And it, it's going to require everyone to get involved politically. And if you're if you're not someone that let's say you're not you don't have the charisma or whatever to to be in a political office or or be politically active, you still have friends and family you can interact with. Get those ideas out there and start talking to people. I mean, stand up for your kids. You know, if you have kids, civilly disobey. I mean, there there's things that we can do. It's just um, you know that is true. You know, it was Tip O'Neill, which uh, Tavish always references here about, uh, you know, how he and Ronald Reagan would get together and have a beer and talk politics. And Tip O'Neill said that all politics are local. Yeah, and that's true. That's true. All politics e- are local. Is, it, it is local. The, the problem the problem now, though, is they're trying to shift it from being local to being national. I mean, we've in the U.S., we've been seeing it for years. Uh, the, the idea that Senate elections are now a national thing. No, those are state level things. Uh, it, it should not be a national thing. Uh, same with really uh, representative positions in general should not be. The only national election that there should be is the president. That's it. Everything else should be done at the state level. And technically, technically it is. The Senate is technically a state level thing, but it gets national coverage. That was never the intention. We are out of time. We are going to have to go. So um, thank you for sitting down today, Bruce. You know, I always want to actually end a little bit early today, but apparently we didn't do that. We kind of ran pretty much full time anyway. So for those of you who have not followed us on Telegram, get over there, get signed up to our Telegram channel. Uh, We're putting out our podcast over there every day and as well as uh, posting articles and videos and photos and everything that's going on. We've got our own pretty much little news feed going on over there. We've got a comment section as well. So uh, get signed up to us on Telegram, get involved in the conversation over there uh, and get all of our content plus our exclusive podcast we put out once a week that Bruce and I were just on on uh, on Saturday. So uh, and, and it is posted over there. Yeah, join us over there. Also, if you'd like to reach out to us, you can do so anytime by dropping us a line at tips at dynamicindependence.com. And we would ask you to pass us along to friends, family, known associates. We are trying to grow, but we do need your help in order to do that. So if you could pass us along, we would appreciate that. We are available everywhere you get your podcast. Also, if you're rating podcast, you give us a rating when you get a chance. That would be fantastic as well. Five stars would be a plus. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you for being here today, Bruce. Thank you to all the listeners. Everyone have a great evening.